Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm your host, Renita Malhotra-Hora. Occupy protests go into their second week despite the CE's warning. Investors in Hong Kong's exchange-traded funds are unfazed by the protests and the U.S. jobs report pushes unemployment to a six-year low. Today we'll talk about the continued economic impact of Occupy Central protests as it enters its second week. We'll also look at whether the city's housing market could be in for a reality check. Our guests this morning include Heather Timmons of Quartz.com and Shi Wing Chen, the founder of Centerline Property. Joining us from Washington is our international correspondent Barry Wood and our guest host this morning is Alex Wong of Ample Capital. Good morning, Alex. So let's take a look at the top stories for today. The Occupy protests now into their second week, uh, despite the 4 a.m. deadline set by the chief executive for demonstrators to stop blocking access to the government's admiralty headquarters. Mong Kok, which has been the site for numerous clashes between the protesters and anti-occupiers, has had one of the calmest nights over the last week. Our reporter Damon Pang was on ground in Mong Kok this morning. It's really, really been one of the calmest nights uh, you, you can imagine over the past week. Uh, basically, there are no violence at all. There were uh, a few here and there uh, sporadic opponents to the occupation coming into the area and uh, maybe swearing at some of the demonstrators, saying that they should go home and not block the road. But uh, the demonstrators have been reacting in a rather... Uh, humorous way. Uh, they sang birthday songs in Chinese and English to them, uh, telling the uh, anti-occupiers to uh, blow an imaginary candle, uh, have an imaginary birthday cake, and those uh, people who are against the occupation then just walked away. And uh, essentially, there's a very huge, even up to now, a very huge police presence around. Uh, they uh, as I privately speak to them, they are here to really protect the demonstrators from any further violence. I can see at least some 20 uh, police cars and vans. Uh, I mean police vans and private cars. And uh, on them, uh, there are police officers either in uniform, in plain clothes, uh, anti-triad officers, you name it. Or, uh, uh, they're outside, they were outside the Sinta Plaza. Uh, just a moment ago. Now, most of them actually have left, but there are still a good number of uh, uniformed officers around the area, uh, basically protecting the area from any uh, uh, eruption of violence. Student leaders said they met with government officials to prepare the way for talks, reopening the prospect of a negotiated settlement. The police said yesterday that they were determined to restore order to Hong Kong streets, but Chief Superintendent Steve Hui seemed less concerned about any deadlines. In order to restore public order, we are determined and we are confident. Uh, we have the capability to uh, take any necessary Action. It really depends on, depends on the uh, situations. Police, again, will closely monitor the development. We will keep in view of the development and uh, make uh, assessment. 
Investors in exchange-traded funds tracking Hong Kong-listed stocks appear to be unfazed by the city's political unrest. Traders have put more than $200 million into the sixth-largest ETFs focusing on Hong Kong and mainland Chinese companies. The Hang Seng Index closed up six-tenths of a percent on Friday at 23,064. Alex, can you let us know, why did the Hang Seng Index actually close up at times like this? Shouldn't we be expecting money to flow out rather than in? Uh, first of all, um, last week we had already done, uh, we were already done a lot before the rebound, uh, took place. So, um, that means that people are already buying, uh, we're already buying at relatively low level. And at, even at this, um, situation, um, actually half of the, uh, Hang Seng Index constituents are work, uh, are doing their business mainly in China and overseas. So they are not affected too much uh, in terms of fundamental by this incident. So we are seeing some uh, good buying into um, companies like a China Mobile, Tencent, uh, or even AIA uh, on Friday. But uh, the selling in local blue chips actually continued. So we are seeing um, selective uh, buying in the market. We are not seeing a uh, an across-the-board recovery. People actually are uh, still avoiding uh, local blue chips, but they are buying into those China names and also some international names in Hong Kong. And what should we continue to expect over the course of today? Oh, I think today should be a, a, a quiet day. Uh, we actually, the decline in Hong Kong was uh, accelerated, accelerated by two factors. One is uh, the uh, weakness across the emerging markets, which uh, uh, had been uh, gone temporarily. Uh, last Friday, we saw some uh, good recovery in emerging markets. And second, we are also aided by the um, stop losses in those uh, leverage loans, which I think also finished already. So basically, we are not um, that vulnerable this time. So uh, And also with the interest in those uh, non-Hong Kong blue chips, so probably we are seeing a, a lower volatility and lower volume today. That said, Financial Secretary John Tsang is increasingly worried about the state of affairs in Hong Kong, and he has left for uh, the annual conference of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank in the U.S. this week, and he hopes to protect investor confidence in the city uh, and clarify misunderstandings about Hong Kong's international image. Given what you say, Alex, is there cause for concern? Oh, yes. I think that remains a cause of concern because people are still worried about the situation in Hong Kong. We are seeing a stabilization in the Hang Seng Index, but we are not seeing a stabilization in local blue chips. So I think uh, uh, we are still vulnerable in terms of uh, uh, some individual companies or sectors. So uh, I think some um, uh, boosting confidence is needed in that area because uh, right now people probably would be quite worried about the development in Hong Kong and, and blue chips in Hong Kong probably would still be affected. People are worried indeed. We had a couple of comments uh, come in posted to Money for Nothing's Facebook page over the weekend. Francis Lun, who is a contributor to this show, said mm-hmm. that when the government and police lose the trust of the people, the government loses its ability to govern and the future looks bleak. Uh, clearly, that may, you may not agree with that. Is that right, Alex? Um, I think that is a very pessimistic comment. Uh, <laughs> I, I think in the meantime, people are taking a wait-and-see attitude. Uh, yeah. That is a really long-term thing. I think uh, we are not too panicking uh, at the moment, but I think people 
still would like to see the development and yeah. design. Francis certainly didn't sound that pessimistic last week this time <laughs> on the show. There was a tweet also from Jimmy Ng, who is an analyst, and he says that if protests go on for another week, it will burst China's property bubble. Prices are held up by liquidity in funding, and the Hong Kong revolution, revolution crystallizes this liquidity, affecting debt and confidence levels, which forces wealth to stagnate in China. He says it's impossible. It, it is possible, excuse me, for the government to inject money, but it's costly. What do you think, Alex? Oh, I think uh, the central government are not so uh, are not willing to inject money in the system easily. They are very cautious in managing that because uh, they had many good reasons to do that uh, in the past already. So, they, that, but they are still not doing that. So that means they are uh, want, they, they still want to contain the inflation and and contain everything by not uh, injecting too much liquidity in the system. So that that's true. But I think uh, 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 if we are talking a uh, one week away from the bubble blast, then that 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 may be a too too radical comment. Too radical a comment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, on Western shores, a surge in hiring pushed U.S. unemployment to a six-year low of almost 6%. The 248,000 gain in payrolls followed 180,000 increase in August that was bigger than previously expected. Treasury Secretary Jacob Liu says that the U.S. economy is moving strongly in the right direction. I think there's no question but that the economy is moving strongly in the right direction. The jobs numbers on Friday were not just the first proof of that, but we've seen six months now of you know, pretty sustained uh, evidence of that progress. You've got to remember where this started. Uh, when the president took office, we were losing 800,000 jobs a month. Over the last six months, we've been growing 227,000 jobs a month. That's a huge swing. U.S. and European stocks rebounded on this better-than-expected U.S. jobs data. The Dow closed up 1.5% to 17,009, the S&P up 1% to 1967, and the Nasdaq also up 1% to 4,475. European stocks gained as well. The FTSE added 1.5% to 6,527. The French CAC 40 added nearly 1% to close at 4,221, and Stocks Europe gained 1% to 335. The US dollar held gains versus its major peers. The euro is trading at 1.25 US dollars. The yen at almost 110 US dollars. Excuse me. The yen is almost at 110 and the pound is at 12.38 Hong Kong dollars. Oil has found new lows with the Brent sliding for a fifth day to close at $92 and gold fell by six tenths of a percent to $1,184 per ounce. The European Central Bank's plans to buy rebundled packages of death have, uh, excuse me, of debt, have drawn sharp criticism from officials in Germany, including the head of the Bundesbank. Robert Kemp has more. On Thursday, the ECB laid out plans to buy reparcel debt and covered bonds secured on solid assets such as property. It will include buying debt with a so-called junk credit rating from Greece and Cyprus, as long as such countries are under a formal international financial programme. Bundesbank chief and ECB policymaker Jens Weidmann warned in German magazine Focus on Sunday that there was a danger the ECB would buy low-quality loan securitizations at inflated prices as part of its program to buy asset-backed securities, or ABSs. 
ABSs are created by banks pooling mortgages and corporate auto or credit card loans and selling them to insurers, pension funds or now the ECB. Mr Feynman says this is a problem as these risky assets would now be transferred to the central bank and therefore the taxpayer without them getting anything in return. He said that went against the basic principle of liability that is fundamental to a market economy. Mr Weidman added that the global financial crisis had shown how dangerous it could be to abandon this principle. He also warned against devaluing the euro. A policy which tries to deliberately weaken the currency would also provoke counter-reactions, he said. There can ultimately only be losers in such competitive devaluation. ECB President Mario Draghi said last week the ECB did not have a target exchange rate for the euro, but policy loosening by the ECB at a time when the US Federal Reserve is winding down its asset purchasing program has been driving the euro lower. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Silicon Valley stalwart Hewlett-Packard plans to split into two companies. HP will separate its computer and printer businesses from its corporate hardware and services operations and spin the unit off through a tax-free distribution of shares to stockholders next year. The move could be announced later today. Let's bring in Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Renita. So, Barry, what is the mood like uh, in the U.S. given the jobs data? Oh, quite good, quite good. You know, two weeks ago we were worried about a big correction coming. We needed one, said many analysts. So we had uh, some volatility over the last two weeks. But the jobs data and some other data on Friday really suggest that uh, the economy is picking up and that right now we're probably growing at about a 4% pace. So, as you suggested at the top, there's been more activity come into the market on the positive side, and uh, that's likely to continue. The mood has, uh, on the economy, improved quite a bit. And uh, what do you think about Germany's uh, sharp criticism as to the ECB's plan to buy rebundled packages of debt? Well, I think it's a broken record. I think this is something you expect Germans to say. I think the Dutch, who agree with the Germans, are happy that the Germans go out in front and they don't have to talk because, frankly, some of that talk is regarded as embarrassing because most economists say if you've got a sluggish or depressed economy with deflation in the eurozone, you shouldn't be talking about uh, austerity. You should be talking about stimulus. And, of course, that's anathema to the Germans. And they are the dominant power. So the Americans, I think, have been burned enough that they don't come out and say publicly that the Germans are mistaken. But they certainly say that privately. Alex, what do you think about that? Uh, in the meantime, probably the situation in Europe is, would still be affected by Russia. So uh, basically, I think in the meantime, we probably would see uh, Europe to underperform U.S. for quite some time. Okay, Barry, I'd like to ask you uh, about uh, high-yield corporate bond spreads, which have been increasing steadily since June. Uh, A widening spread, of course, means that their performance uh, is lagging higher-quality bonds. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we've had a lot of false alarms in the bond market. Mm -hmm. And uh, I suppose Bill Gross would be the person who really is the expert on that, but his record is mixed. Recently, many people have said that the bond market was a bubble and it was going to be a problem. When you mention corporates uh, and the high yield end of that market, 
I think that probably the concern is somewhat overdone. If you look at charts on the high yield from, say, Vanguard, you find that uh, really it's quite steady. And uh, there's been an impressive return. You know, those, those bonds tend to return pretty steadily over the last two or three years, around 4 to 5%, which in a zero inflation environment is pretty good. I myself am not a bond expert, but I'm not particularly worried about high yield, and I don't think that this widening of the spread is particularly a problem. We'll hear more about this maybe, Renita, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm. when all of those experts at the IMF give their views about uh, financial markets. Absolutely. Alex, uh, is, is this spread something to worry about? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think in the meantime, yes. Uh, I, I Probably, um, the, as I've said, the situation in Russia actually would be the concern for Europe um, for quite some time. And we are seeing the impact for, for almost a half a year now. So I think we need to see the fundamentals uh, uh, changing uh, in Europe later on. So that's, what, that's why I would be a little bit cautious on that one. Okay. Yeah. Barry, uh, give us a rundown of the various events happening this week. Uh, we've got the annual conference of the World Bank and the IMF. What, what else do we need to keep our eye on? Well, we've got a uh, rather slow week on data, but given all the things that will be happening in Washington, I think that's, uh, that's just fine. We'll see how this market plays out, given the concern about China and your part of the world specifically, and certainly about Ebola. Let's not forget you've got probably 30 finance ministers, central bank governors coming in from West Africa and Central Africa to the IMF meeting. And uh, I must say, it's uh, quite surprising to me to see so much almost frenetic reporting about Ebola here in the States. I guess that's because we're, we're, less, we're less impacted historically than, uh, let's say, your part of the world. But on, on the financial meetings, I think that um, we're seeing a clear slowdown in the global economy. It's not recession levels. But look at those commodity prices that you mentioned, gold at a very low level. Look at oil, it's well down. And let's look at the dollar. Uh, it's quite amazing when we were talking at a euro at $1.40, and now we're talking a, a euro at $1.25. So, Renita, we've had, really, I think it's just about 7.8% advance in the U.S. dollar in the last quarter. So Absolutely. we'll see what the IMF says about the global economy. I think they're going to say that we hope it'll get better. But let's face it, we're six years after the financial crisis and things are still pretty slow. Okay, Barry. Thank you so much. That's Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent, joining us from Washington. Well, the Nikkei is open. It is up 1% to 15,882. Australia's ASX index down three-tenths of a percent to 5,300. And Seoul's Kospi up half a percent to 1,987. We'll be back uh, uh, right after this message to look more about, look at more, uh, to look at how <laughs> the protests have had an economic impact uh, upon Hong Kong. What is the most important thing to consider when making investments? You need to understand the features and risks of any investment product. Always weigh the risks against potential returns or you may risk losing all your money. Even if you get professional advice, it is still your responsibility to exercise vigilance. To protect your own interests, ask questions and think thoroughly before you invest. 
Know the risks. Understand your responsibilities. Think before you invest. To learn more about investment, please visit the Investor Education Center website, www.hkiec.hk. Time is now 8.22, finding myself a little bit tongue-tied this morning. The umbrella movement has certainly shown that power is with the people, but the disruption of business is causing people to worry. Uh, I'd like to introduce Heather Timmons of Quartz.com. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. Uh, Heather, you know, we've had various comments come through from local businesses. A newsstand worker near the site of the Monkok clashes says that business has dropped nearly 75% since the protests began. Taxis say that business is down 40% since the start. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, we've been trying to calculate what, what, when you add it all together, how much this has cost Hong Kong. And it, it's hard to say so far, but a couple numbers we have are the 2.2 billion that is an estimate that it's cost retailers in the past week. Um, and about 100 million Hong Kong a day, uh, that it's costing hotels. Um, and then we have the Hang Seng Index, uh, which dropped 2.6% last week. Um, although we saw that rally on Friday that indicates that might be a short-term floor for now. So uh, we're already talking about over, well over 3 billion Hong Kong in losses just with those sectors alone. Um, I, this week is going to be an interesting week because it was a vacation week last week for a lot of the a lot of the big international companies and a lot of the banking and finance and insurance. And how they're going to be impacted is really hard to tell. From people that I can talk to, everyone says they can get to work fine. You know, they can – that's not really the problem. It's sort of this underlying – Tension, Yeah, just no one knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, I think that's certainly been the situation over the last 24 to 48 hours. There's been a lot of rumors. There have been a lot of threats, uh, increased tension. and But it's right now still pretty quiet. Um, and so everybody's waiting and watching. Uh, I've got just a few comments here from small business owners. Shum Shu Wa, who is a small and medium enterprise union member, says that business is now down 60 to 70 percent compared to last year's national holiday. Mm. Uh, Cheng Chi Cheng, who is a fruit seller, says that all the protesters told me is to bear with them for the sake of the future, but I'm not sure if I can survive now. And Sunny Lai Wing Sun, a flower shop owner, says if this continues, it'll be worse than SARS. Business has been halved since Occupy began. Any thoughts on how things might unravel today if it continues to be calm? Will things look up? Well, you know, I was just out there before I came into the studio, and strangely enough, it seems like everything is calm. There's a there's a corridor cleared into the government offices so the government workers can get there, um, which was one of the conditions. Um, and the protesters all still seem to be out. No one's scaring them away. No one's chasing them away. The police are standing by. Um I think in this situation, the people that suffer are the people that you just quoted, the small and medium enterprises, because these guys and women, you know, they are losing a lot of sales, but they still have to pay their rent maybe to a much larger corporation that is going to demand that they pay it no matter what. Okay, Heather, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That is Heather Timmons, a reporter at Ports.com. Well, Chris Oliver has been following the impact on the housing market. So he talks now with his guest, Shi Wing Ching, the founder of Centerline Property. Take it away, Chris. Home sales transactions in the past week are down about 70% from normal levels as buyers shy away amid the political uncertainty. However, prices haven't softened very much. Now, as the week progresses, we expect sales to recover. But longer term, will political strife damage Hong Kong's image and be an overhang on property? I'm joined now by C. Wing Ching, founder of Centerline Property. 
Good morning, uh, Mr. C. Good morning. Uh, how, do, how do you view the ongoing conflict between the government and pro-democracy mm. pro camp as weighing on the market? Mm. Uh, property market uh, is a very localized market. Uh, it will surely uh, be affected uh, by the political conflicts in Hong Kong. Uh, I think uh, investors uh, enter the market because uh, they believe uh, Hong Kong will be politically stable. But now uh, we find that uh, some people are trying to redraft our social contract. Uh, that will uh, involve a lot of stakeholders' interest, especially uh, the wealthy people in Hong Kong believe most of the political leaders uh, hate them. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are afraid uh, if this kind of people uh, take into control, then uh, they would not have uh, such a good time as they used to have. So we, we didn't really see a lot of negative sentiment f uh, flow through to the new housing market. Mm -hmm. uh, there are over 430 flats were purchased this, mm. uh, this uh, past Saturday. Uh, that's 90% of the supply and offer mm. from four developments. Uh, that doesn't show a lot of concern, though. So yes. wh why is there so much optimism? Yeah. At the, uh, the Actually, I myself is uh, relatively pessimistic comparing with those uh, investors in the property market. I tried to lower my exposure in the property market two years ago, but I have talked to this kind of investor. Uh, they have a different view. Uh, they believe the central government uh, still uh, have a big control in Hong Kong, and they will protect their interests. They said they are uh, very worried during the 1980s when Lady Xiaqia had a negotiation with Beijing. At that time, uh, Communist Party is different from uh, now. So they worry that Hong Kong will uh, enter into uh, a socialist system. And that's why they worry. But they believe uh, the Communist Party has changed and Hong Kong will remain in capitalist mm. and property mm. rights will be protected. That's mm -hmm. what they told me. Given that uh, we have a little bit of time left, but I just want to, I know Hong Kong people love uh, the idea of property and uh, want as much insight as they can get. So I want to put you on the spot here. We have uh, potentially rising interest rates in the U.S. That's been talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, this month also sees the end of the money printing by the central bank in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So how do you expect that to weigh on property here? It doesn't look, these look I like headwinds. Uh, interest rate, the rise of interest rate will have a negative uh, effect on property market. But uh, property market is affected by various of factors, not just interest rate. Uh, we have to see whether uh, the government uh, is able to increase the demand and we have to see whether the uh, QE in uh, Europe, uh, even in mainland China, uh, has uh, changed or not, and whether the reform in uh, uh, China uh, have made some real achievement. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Chris Oliver and his guest, Shi Wing Ching, founder of Centerline Property. And thank you to Heather Timmon. 
Heather Timmons, who is a reporter with Quartz.com. Thank you, of course, to Alex Wong from Ample Asset Management, my co-host for the day. The Nikkei is up eight-tenth of a percent to 15,839, and Seoul's Kospi up two-tenth of a percent to 1,980. The weather forecast for today will be sunny and dry. Uh, slightly cooler in the morning with a maximum temperature of about 30 degrees. The temperature right now is 25 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 76%. This is Money for Nothing and I am your host, Renita Malhotra-Hora, signing off. Now it's time for the news summary with Samantha Butler. The chairwoman of the Democratic Party, Emily Lau, says if the talks between the chief secretary, Carrie Lam, and the Federation of Students break down or can't even begin, it could be a powerful force in escalating the protests. So far, the students say there'll be no formal dialogue as the government hasn't agreed to discuss political reform. Speaking to RTHK this morning, Ms Lau also said she didn't support the plans of the two people power lawmakers to paralyse government operations when Legislative Council resumes meetings this week. We have no intention of following them or following anyone. But of course, as you know, we work with all the 23 pan-democrats in the Legislative Council. And in fact, we have been meeting every day in the last few days. And of course, they are not part of our group. So we will continue to map out our strategy and what we're going to do. And when uh, we have something to announce, uh, we will do it. It's been relatively quiet overnight at the protest site in Mong Kok at the intersection of Nathan Road and Argyle Street. Some 200 demonstrators remain despite calls from some protest leaders yesterday for people there to abandon the site and join the main rally in Admiralty. Protest